0: That naturopathic podcast, (laughs) TNP.
1: Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Cara Denisio.
0: And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you.
1: This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health.
0: This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well.
1: This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan.
0: This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting it all together.
1: This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it.
0: And we want you to know it.
1: Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about.
0: Okay, welcome to another episode of that Naturopathic Podcast. It's Dr. Dave here. And I'm uh, very excited to uh, chat today with a local legend. A local legend, Janice Taylor, pelvic floor physiotherapist. You're a local legend, you know who you are. <laughs>
1: well, thank you. I, I don't really consider myself that, but I oh yeah. Most, <laughs> I've been most doing legends this for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um and you, you're uh you're a pelvic floor well you're a physiotherapist so we can get you to sort of talk a little bit about your story as much as you think you want to I don't love talking about myself but it is it is important for people to know a little bit about you uh you're a physiotherapist but you was it after uh was it after um you know motherhood when motherhood came is that when pelvic floor physio became really really relevant for you
1: absolutely yeah so I have been a physio I graduated from master in 2000 so 21 years ago that now I'm old. But anyways, I did (laughs) orthopedics for a couple years. Then I got into pediatrics when I had my kids and then um, my kids are four years apart. So when I had my daughter, who's my second child, um, partway through that pregnancy, I developed a bladder prolapse. So I lived in Port Elgin at the time and um, I didn't know what it was. No one could tell me what it was. But then I did the research and realized it was a prolapse had my daughter. And then I was looking for rehab. At that point, I didn't know whether I'd have to have surgery because that's what they used to say. Um, mm-hmm. And the only um, pelvic floor physio around was one in Barry. So I with a newborn and a four year old driving to Barry was ridiculous. So I remember so it's thinking, like a
0: couple, that's like a couple hours drive for us in our yeah, area.
1: Absolutely. So two hours. And luckily enough, my sister worked in Barry. So she would take my daughter when I'd go to pelvic floor physio. <laughs> but I knew I could not be the only one struggling with pelvic issues. So I became really passionate about it and then decided to take some courses. And um, when my daughter was two, I started practicing pelvic health in Port Elgin, and I actually gave up my pediatric um, job. So I, and I mm-hmm. love what I do. I absolutely love it. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of surprising to hear that a physiotherapist trained, you know, in this millennium <laughs> didn't <laughs> didn't know exactly what was was kind of going on, right? Like it's 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 kind of interesting how it, we always think we know a lot, but it, when you, when I hear that you know you're trained post 2000 and you you weren't even sure as a physiotherapist, right, if you had a prolapse, so, what was
1: happening with my body? Yeah, no, yeah, your I, own
0: body, like yeah, crazy. I,
1: could feel a lot of heaviness and there's a lot of pressure which was different than my first pregnancy and then I um people I went to two doctors and they told me it was varicose veins and it I knew it wasn't because something was telling me it wasn't and it wasn't I figured it out but then an obstetrician helped me as well but honestly when I took uh, physiotherapy we got about an hour training with the pelvic floor and it was just kegels
0: that's crazy so, yeah yeah that's it. when you think about it and i i now like as as a naturopath i i find pelvic floor physio to be like a, a real cornerstone uh referral for anyone who who sort of knows what's up i think it's crazy how it's gone from that like you didn't even know basically what it was and now probably one i i, I bet if i asked a lot of my naturopathic colleagues a pelvic floor physio is, is like high on the rolodex
1: for sure and i'll just i'll explain to you like You don't really realize it until you learn it but like the pelvic floor does so many things in our body but we're not trained and it's abstract it's internal but it's skeletal muscles that we can control if we're aware of them so like the pelvic floor actually acts as a sump pump for your venous and lymphatic return from your legs it um helps control sphincter control for the anus um the urethra and the vagina and it's if it's tight or if it's weak or loose there's a problem Mm -hmm. Um, helps with sexual function helps with stabilizing your um, organs and also it's a core muscle so like with your abdominal muscles it functions together and it's part of your core so huge if it's not working well your quality of life suffers significantly
0: well, yeah, like I I told you in my post, you can't get very far with an uncooperative anus, which is just, you know, <laughs> it's just to get someone to laugh. But really, it's so important. These, these outlets and these junctions as, as I sort of delve a little bit deeper into sort of anatomical structural, uh, components of looking at, uh, health. And, you know, I'm a little higher up in the GI usually than you, but we meet. we meet
1: (laughs) we meet somewhere Yes, we do (laughs) because we're
0: all one big meat sack but it's it's crazy to think that they don't get as like to me those are stoplights or out like in the case of pelvic floor we i mean we got we got anus we got uh vagina like we got urethra this this is the end point like it must be a critical juncture
1: it is it absolutely is and and it's interesting because well you're the gut guy and i like the pelvic floor but they're both emotional too, right? So your pelvic floor and your gut like are so connected to our brain. So if we're going through stress or whatever, our muscles and our gut react.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'm just going to give a little bit of context as to why I rang you up because, uh, <laughs> you know, you're great. I like to talk to you anyway. But um, I thought... It, a little, a little bit of background is I, as I've gotten into this structural anatomical approach to things, I started looking at constipation. I was like, you know, what? I really want to dive deep on constipation, like just constipation. There's lots, there's so much more. The orchestra that goes on is like crazy, but I, I thought, okay, let's delve into that. And you know, it's always good. You've probably done this. You, you go back to research, you see what's new or you review research that maybe you've read before with a sort of different uh, clinical insight and you go, Oh my God. I never really thought about that. So then I'm, I'm looking at all the, the research on constipation and all the, all the papers are su- saying like do manometry or, you know, a digital rectal exam. And, and most of these cases of constipation are from outlet problems, not transit problems through the, uh, through the colon itself. So then I was, that's when I, I thought, Oh my God, I got to call Janice because like all of these cases of constipation are likely to, I mean, I'm just going to put out there, are they likely to have some pelvic floor contribution or, or what do you, what do what do you see in terms of like pelvic floor constipation?
1: Uh, I see lots of things in terms of constipation. Um, and I always educate my patients and I'm like constipation. You can, there's two criteria to constipation. It's straining to have a bowel movement. And the other piece is it's like a hard lumpy stool, looking at that Bristol stool chart, like rabbit pellets,
0: um Got the you know, mug, by the way.
1: Got, oh, did you? Okay. I got the mug that you sent me.
0: It's amazing.
1: Okay.
0: Janice, Janice knows what's up. She gave me a Bristol stool chart mug. So <laughs> to all my my patients who see me drinking coffee in the clinic, it'll now be because of Janice.
1: Yes, we have to take our masks off to drink coffee, so it's too bad we can't do that in front of patients. I know. <laughs> yeah, but, I know. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I educate them about what constipation is, and then yeah sometimes they have hard stools and so then i'm helping them manage that and often referring to naturopathy if it's if it's something that needs to be dealt with dietary wise or food sensitivity but yes the other piece of that is are they straining and can they relax their pelvic floor muscles and so in many like i can give you many examples of why people would not relax their pelvic floor um some because and it's also so learned right so like i have a lot of patients where their mother might've been afraid of pe- like public bathrooms. And so if a child had to go poop, their mom would be like really anxious and nervous right. about letting them sit on a public toilet. So they adopt that, like whether it's said to them externally, they can feel that energy and they don't like public toilets, right? Yeah. Um, that's an an, an example. Um, the other examples would be like, if you had fissures or suffered from hemorrhoids or if you just really struggled with, well, Hold, holding your bowels when you're a child is also a point of control with your parents, right? Like some parents, you know, will say like, get to the bathroom, give and and the kids don't want to miss out on things or for whatever mm-hmm. reason. So we all know if you don't listen to your bowels the first time when they tell mm-hmm. you that you have to go, the stool decides to just go back up into the colon and dry mm-hmm. out and then become big and hard and lumpy. And then it hurts to have mm-hmm. a poop.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: those people that have pain with pooping will will tend to tense up with their pelvic floor as well that one makes
0: the most sense right like when you see something like if you got fisher if you've got fissures or, or something painful it makes sense that the body would be like okay i don't want to strain that tissue too much But what i what i was i found really surprising is how many people have constipation but it's it's that kind of cost constipation that's from straining not necessarily like you can have more bowel movements in a week right and still be constipated
1: yeah yeah yeah, for sure yeah But it's a straining piece, right? Can they poop properly? And and we do not want people to strain. You should not strain when you're pooping, period. What should happen? So you should feel the urge and listen to that. So we teach people like some people go to the bathroom with their bladder too much and you can control your bladder, but you need to listen to your bowels. Your bowels control you because (laughs) if you don't start listening to the bowels, eventually your brain decides not to send that message that you have to go and then you just don't get it. So we wanna to listen to our bowels and go when we feel the urge as long as you can. Of course you can if you're driving or whatever, but make sure you have a bowel routine. So hopefully you're at home. Um, and then when you do go, get into the bathroom and our bowels like routine. They like the same toilet. They like like the same time of day. They don't like distractions. So if you're a mom with young kids and the kids are in the bathroom, that's just, you might be clenching a little bit more. And then the best position is just get a stool or a squatty potty, get your knees. So they're above your hips. So you're mimicking a squat position. Um, And then what that does is it um, relaxes the puborectalis muscle, which winds around the rectum anus, Mm -hmm. and then it straightens the angle. So instead of going through around a corner, your poop is going through like a, a straight shoot. So it's mechanically more, advantageous to poop with your knees up and if you feel like you have to strain instead of holding your breath and and doing what we would call a Valsalva maneuver like just closing your mouth and 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 kind of straining instead what you want to do is take your well take a fist make a hole and blow out through that and use your respiratory diaphragm as a little bit of a pump if you hold your breath and and close your mouth that they, well, they've done studies on that for both pooping and then pushing out a baby. It tenses up your pelvic floor when you actually close your glottis as in a valsalva
0: Whoa, stop. You've, this is like, this is really cool. Okay. So when you, when you push like abdominally with just instincts, you push abdominally push, what is the main thing we're doing wrong there?
1: Like when we're, when we're holding our breath, you mean?
0: Same say I strain having a bowel movement and I just push and I haven't talked to Janice Taylor or anyone who knows what's up in yeah. that area. So, so what am I doing wrong? Likely,
1: what are you doing wrong? Well, you're not, Yeah, relaxing. cause you're saying,
0: you're saying this, I breathe higher up thoracic diaphragm. What am I, and I'm thinking Valsalva. What's what, sorry, I don't know as much as, as I probably should. What, what am I doing wrong? If I'm just doing Valsalva, I'm not doing it right. Am I hearing that correctly? You're right.
1: So you're putting a lot of excess strain on your pelvic floor. You're doing a Valsalva. So you're holding your breath and putting a lot of strain on those muscles and on those, um, the veins, right? So like lots of straining can result in hemorrhoids, um, in men and women. If you're straining heavily and you're a female, it can result in prolapse over time. Mm -hmm. So if you're really pushing and pushing and pushing, it's, it's one of the hardest things you can do on your pelvic floor. Cause you're stretching mm-hmm. the ligaments and you do, and then you're stretching all the vessels down there. And so you should not have to push that hard to push out a poop. Okay. You should, you should really just feel the urge, sit on the toilet, ideally get your knees above your um, hips with a stool so you can relax and um, slightly bring your knees together because that actually puts some slack on the pelvic floor versus having your legs really wide apart. Really? Sense. Yeah.
0: Okay. Does that mean, you know, I'm getting, now, now I'm just learning for me. Does that mean (laughs) I have a tight pelvic floor? If I have a bowel movement and I feel like I want to have my uh, knees splayed. Yeah. Does that mean that, that it could be a sign that my pelvic floor is tight?
1: I don't know if it'd be a sign that your pelvic floor is tight, but I think it might be easier if you just bring them together a little bit because that will slacken it. And then really like, I always tell my patients, you if you, I mean, we all have to strain sometimes. Like I rarely do, but when I do, I'm like, Oh, I need to get this. <laughs> out. Right. But you, if it's not coming, if you're truly, really constipated, you're spending five minutes on the toilet and that's it. You do not sit and strain for more than five minutes. Uh-huh. You can cause over time. You can cause damage, usually not just once or twice, but, um, yeah. I have a co- colleague who has a practice in, um, Stratford and she, um, she's told me of a few cases and I actually have a client too of a case where just chronic constipation. So chronic straining can result in prolapse over time Mm -hmm. without having had a pregnancy or a birth.
0: Wow. Okay. So back to, back to what you were saying with that thoracic, how do you push then teach me how to push.
1: So all you need to do is, so actually, first of all, let's just talk about connection with our pelvic floor. We need to relax our pelvic floor in order to poop. So, When it comes to our bladder and our bowels, if we don't relax our pelvic floor, we're gonna be like clenching and holding, right? So people have poor awareness of their pelvic floor in general because it's abstract, it's internal, and they don't know what they're doing. But one of the cues is look at your mouth and jaw because your jaw and your pelvic floor kind of work together. So if you're a jaw clencher, um, really pay attention to that. And then when you're on the toilet, make a point of relaxing your jaw, like just dropping your jaw down and then, um, and then think about your pelvic floor. I can, um, I'm not sure if you put notes in this, but I can, uh, give a really good YouTube video on connection yes.
0: as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that in the notes or, or we'll okay. put a link in the Instagram. I'll put one of my favorite
1: yep. YouTube videos for just relax. It's only a six minute video. Yep. So connecting with your jaw first, that's easy for a lot of people because they know what their mouth is doing. But then as weird as this sounds, find your tailbone. So to find your tailbone, you literally just slide your finger through, um, like down in the crack, basically your plumber's <laughs> crack, mm-hmm. just north of the anus, and you can feel your tailbone. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you breathe in, like a big belly diaphragmatic breath, like so your your lower abdominal muscles kind of go out when you breathe in, your tailbone goes into a little bit of extension because it relaxes and then when you breathe out it kind of flexes a little bit so there's not a lot of movement there but it's about 15 degrees so I'll get I'll I'll ask people to put their finger on their tailbone like it's something we can all do it's external so it's a way that you could teach your clients as well without doing an internal exam and then just have them breathe in and feel what their tailbone's doing. You know, your tailbone does what your spine's doing. So if you flex your spine, your tailbone mm-hmm. flexes. If you extend, your tailbone extends. Um, but if you um, breathe in and relax, feel a little bit of movement. And then the cue I use, and not everyone can connect with this, is like close your anus or mm-hmm. pick up a marble with your rectum or pretend you're holding on to gas and then lift. And you'll feel that tailbone kind of move a little bit. So that's when it's contracting and that's not what you want when you're pooping. You don't want that tailbone kind of lifting up when you're trying to relax it to poop. So instead you want to take a big deep breath in and feel that tailbone kind of lengthen and move away from the pubic bone. And that's kind of where you want, when you want it to be, when you actually um, poop.
0: So the the pincers have to sort of come apart. If, If the pubic bone and the, and the uh, coccyx, um, the tailbone, you want them to move apart, right? That's what you're-
1: Absolutely, you want your tailbone to move away from the pubic bone, yeah. Okay. But having that awareness just externally, all you need to do is find the middle of your back, slide your finger down to where you can feel your sacrum. And then just, I mean, you're going right into the crack, but you're staying just north of Mm -hmm. your anus and you'll feel that slight movement. And then just to connect with that, that really helps your brain realize what your bottom is doing
0: hmm
1: If that makes sense. It
0: does. There's there's <laughs> home, there's homework to be done. <laughs> okay. But,
1: but I, I mean, will say though, if someone's got pain, like fissures, hemorrhoids, or postpartum, have, um fissures and hemorrhoids are different because if they can be really painful. Um and so what I'll I'll sometimes suggest for someone with that is is um because they're gonna clench because it's gonna hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And it's real, even if you can connect with your pelvic floor, it's so subconscious. So I often work with a compounding pharmacist if it's that bad and Mm -hmm. get them to make a base where it's like a numbing cream, but a healing cream just Mm -hmm. to insert into the rectum to numb before they poop and then numb after. So they don't have that pain post bowel movement
0: mm-hmm because that's why sorry that's what i meant earlier by it makes sense almost in those cases right it's like your body's giving you a single like hey the tissues here are hurt they hurt a lot so yeah. that, hence the numbing okay
1: exactly yeah
0: okay and so uh What I mean, constipation was sort of what made me give you, give you, uh, call you up and and say, let's talk about that. What are the things that go along with it? A lot of the time, when you see, okay, this person's constipated, what are the other things you see? Probably, I guess, primarily in women, but is there anything in men too?
1: Um, for chronic constipation, if they have a tight pelvic floor that's not relaxing, yeah, um, yeah, so urgency, frequency of the bowel, because if you are really constipated, you'll have a large stool pushing on that bladder. Mm -hmm. And that will cause urgency frequency, sometimes incontinence of the bladder. Um, So that's an annoying problem in and of itself. Mm -hmm. If someone's really got a tight pelvic floor, male or female, they'll have pain with intercourse. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: um, women will have pain. They can have pain at the opening and they can have deep pain, like deep vaginal pain. Men will have pain, not necessarily during intercourse, but with orgasm or post intercourse, they'll have pain and that's annoying for them. Mm -hmm. um pelvic floor muscles often refer to your low back so if they're really tight and you have low back pain but you're not really having hip or buttock pain or so you're going to have like traditional therapy for your low back and nothing's working get your pelvic floor checked out by a pelvic floor physio because that's probably causing some dysfunction like your pelvic floor will refer to your back and um it's often overlooked
0: what part of the back are you seeing like when i when i see people with back pain there's a few places I'm roughly looking at, you know, at the level of development that I'm at now or, or understanding when I see it around the sacrum uh, specifically, and maybe like where they'll say, Oh, it's my SI or cause we, we have this, we can relate on this. Actually, Janice, I have, I have this thing where we, we really hyper-focus or have such a huge bias towards musculoskeletal structures uh, in terms of our evaluation of, of uh, pain that may yeah. Or may not be from musculoskeletal structures because they the the convergence, right? We have you've got signals coming from organs and signals coming from MSK structures, but we've got osteopaths, we've got pelvic uh we've got physios, we've got RMTs, we've got chiros, we've got lots of people who work with MSK, but not yeah. many people are thinking, Hey, could my low back pain be from my from my pelvic floor?
1: Right. So um Sorry, what was the question again? At the beginning, as
0: longest longest question ever, like answer question (laughs) combo. I don't know. I was just sort of saying, like, where, where, what's the nature of the back pain that you see when you think okay, okay. pelvic floor could be an issue. Yeah, it can
1: be SI joint pain. Now that's usually different because I'll also treat pelvic girdle pain, which is common in pregnancy and postpartum, and that would be like pubic synthesis pain and like pain right around the SI joint itself. Just Mm -hmm. do um, strain on the ligaments and lax ligaments. Um, but yeah, it could be right around the lower, like SI joints, like sort of central low back, or mm-hmm. it can be up around L L3, L4, L5, like in that area. So lower mm-hmm. lumbar spine can refer there. So the others, um, you know, cardinal sign of a tight pelvic floor. If I'm assessing someone's pelvic floor and I'm like, Oh gosh, this is tight. I'll say, Hey, do you get pain with sitting like prolonged sitting, like long car rides or sitting at a movie or, you know, sitting for, and they're like, yes. And they think I'm psychic, but if your (laughs) pelvic floor is tight, sitting stretches your pelvic floor. And so if the muscles like to be shortened and you're sitting for a long time, they start screaming because they're not at their happy length. Um, So yeah, that's common too.
0: So sitting is actually not bad for your pelvic floor in this case.
1: Sitting is not bad, but it can be annoying if it's really tight. And I would recommend people sit like we should not be sitting for prolonged periods, I would give those people stretches and really connect get them to connect with their pelvic floor because it's so important to know what their pelvic floor is doing. So if they're always clenching, they need to learn how to relax.
0: Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so, and it's a weird sort of orchestra of things that go on, right? You're talking about like the control of, of the sphincter. We got the other sphincter that's under, you know, a non-voluntary control too, right? So it's like
1: absolutely symphony,
0: yeah. weird. Symphony. It is a
1: symphony. And like, I know with the bladder, so the bladder contracts and the pelvic floor relaxes to release urine, right? But if someone's got urgency and frequency of the bladder, I'll teach them... And, and they're going too much and we need to retrain the bladder, I'll actually teach them to contract their pelvic floor most of the time, depending on that person, contract their pelvic floor, because that's a signal to the bladder to relax. So they work opposite. The detrusor muscle of the bladder contracts, the pelvic floor relaxes, and you pee. If you mm-hmm. contract the pelvic floor, it's a signal to the bladder to relax, so they're not feeling that urge as much. Typically that naturally. way,
0: sometimes you have to have a pee after you have a poop, Janice
1: um i think it's just because you're relaxing in general
0: (laughs) you're in the right place to get the job done.
1: (laughs) exactly yeah yeah if you're relaxed your pelvic floor anything's gonna come out if it's there
0: (laughs) and i'm i'm gonna say uh I, i really support the squatty potty i can't believe i took so long to get one i was like no way this thing actually helps and i uh and actually, it's a great video. If you look at the if you look at the YouTube video from Squatty Potty from like I don't know if it was 2015 or whatever, is really funny. Is that funny. the
1: unicorn? Is that the, the unicorn? And with, the, unicorn? with yeah. the yeah, with the ice cream
0: <laughs> rainbow unicorn poop yeah. that comes out. Yeah, it's actually good because it's a visual that shows what you were talking about with that with the um was it the pupil rectalis muscle?
1: Absolutely, and I, I will say too, like when I treat constipated patients that's the one thing they all come back. Thank you for the advice. Like that, that stool really works. I'm like, gosh, if that, that's the best, like anyone can tell them that, but they're so happy about that. It's just like, tell them to use a stool. And so I tell any doctors, I know I'm like, tell your constipated patients to use a stool. They'll forever oh my thank God, you for yes. it. It just for makes sure. it so much easier. Right. About so, four,
0: about yeah. four for our house.
1: So you got one in every bathroom. Yeah.
0: I got one every bathroom. Cause they're, they're that good. And, I'm I'm actually really like embarrassed to say how long it took me to buy one. I was like, no way it would work, and it yeah. it it helps a lot. And actually, I looked up because I like to nerd out sometimes. I looked at the studies, and the study, um, the study that I saw looked really really good for any sort of outlet uh, issue with with constipation. It's a great thing to try, right? It's what is it like forty bucks or something? Like seriously.
1: For a squatty potty. And so way back, even before I got into pelvic health, I did some, I did some hip courses on the hips, like external hip muscles, not pelvic floor. And um, the guy teaching the hip course was so he's pretty entertaining. But he (laughs) said back in 2000, I think it was one, I was just a new physio. He said, you know, in countries where they squat, they have a lower risk of hip arthritis, moms birth their babies better. And can't remember the other thing less incontinence less incontinence but if you squat um now that's not with the squatty potty because you're not really using your muscles to squat Be like you're relaxing on a toilet but really toilets are not ideal but we'll never get rid of them in north america no i know yeah i
0: know it's true and what's other things i've heard big big poops little hospitals little little hospital uh yeah big poops little hospitals little poops big hospitals oh it's important
1: it is pooping is really god important so important and it, yeah, sleep and poop are like probably two of the the cornerstones for health. I would say. I sleep I change. tend
0: to agree with that. Like, if you can, if, if if I see someone and they have like X, Y, Z problems, and I'm I'm like, well, is one of them not sleeping or pooing? <laughs> because <laughs> most of our, because you know, where do you start? Sometimes in lots of cases, uh, where do you start? Well, those are good starting points because if you're not taking out the trash, um, and you're not like. Uh, getting on board with sleep, which is like, I mean, what, if I don't care what you have, if you sleep better, it gets better. So.
1: Absolutely. Everything functions better. That book on why we sleep by Matthew Walker is a good so great. good. Yeah. It's a good yeah. Book. And then even just for like, if you're really constipated and you're really struggling with type one stools, like I just think a, you're reabsorbing all of the bad stuff that should be exiting your body. Type like,
0: one are those little round balls, right?
1: Yeah. Like rabbit yeah. pellets. Like, so all let, the stuff, let me grab that, my like, mug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You should have had that. I left mine. Right. Should have
0: that was oversight for sure.
1: <laughs> but yeah, you're reabsorbing everything that should be like leaving your body. And that's hard on a lot of, it's not only hard on your ligaments and structures in the pelvic floor, but it's hard on your liver and hard on everything else. If you're not like getting those things out of your body. So,
0: yeah. And there's, and there's, you know, as I get really, again, like I dive into that osteopathic view of, of the body, like there, this is one of those, um, pressure gradients that we, that will affect all the other ones. And uh, the main ones that, that I am looking at are those thoracic, uh, thoracic diaphragm. Um, the, the, I mean, I mean there, there's other diaphragms, obviously, but like yeah. if one of those diaphragms, pelvic floor being like pretty much like the, the door is not opening, then there's yeah. going to be issues upstairs too. Right.
1: Yeah. And I think too, like with the thoracic, like with even like the respiratory diaphragm, so many people, can't breathe properly that's the other thing I always look at in my patients Mm -hmm. most of them are upper chest breathers so they don't have that proper um coordination between the respiratory diaphragm and the pelvic floor diaphragm so there's no they can't breathe in properly in order to kind of get that drop in the pelvic floor to relax yeah Mm -hmm. so just focusing on diaphragmatic breathing is a huge it's a big starting place for a lot of people yeah
0: and then, uh, one thing I want to ask you too, is, you know, as we, as we sort of dive deeper into one sort of area of health, you often start using stuff from other areas, right? Like I borrow some osteopathic stuff. Like, is there any sort of naturopathic stuff that you, you uh, you would like to say anything about like anything like magnesium or any like what, <laughs> yeah. what do you, what do you sort of, uh, delve into a little bit that way?
1: So absolutely. So I, uh, like, because, so this, I don't know if you know, but like m- people that come and see me, they can be fecal incontinent too. So the first thing I always ask is what does your stool look like? Cause mm-hmm. if it's a liquid stool, we need to bulk it up because you're going to have fecal incontinence with a loose stool. That's, that's mm-hmm. just, we want a type four Goldilocks snake looking stool. Um, so if they're really constipated, Goldilocks, Goldilocks, not too okay. hard, not too <laughs> soft.
0: <laughs> Got it now.
1: So, <laughs> so you want that type force duel. But um, anyways, if someone's really hard, I'll really suggest magnesium citrate. My friend, Neil Luters, who you know, too, yeah. um, back in 2012, he studied orthomolecular medicine and he was making the rounds, teaching all the physios about magnesium vitamin d and omega-3s and i still have a handout i still use it i still have my patients do a self-inventory on symptoms related to low magnesium and Mm -hmm. if they have five or more of those they i really encourage them to to supplement so Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah magnesium seems like cheating sometimes as an It it really is so so helpful and like safe yeah love it
1: and most things. And the other psyllium fiber, for sure. I can share my crafting the perfect stool handout. Oh,
0: yes. Crafting.
1: <laughs> crafting. Yeah. I'll How say. many
0: elements are there in the in crafting the perfect so stool? So I, I
1: can tell you, and you can tell me whether you agree, because you're the expert here. And this is just something that has been passed on to us as public physios doing courses. So at night, you have to do this at night or in the evening. Three tablespoons of psyllium fiber mixed with applesauce and a glass of water if you're constipated at night heavy dose and then if you're not constipated and you have loose stools and you're trying to firm them up, you do the same thing without a glass of water. So three tablespoons of psyllium fiber mixed in applesauce or is it two tablespoons? I'll, I'll show it. I'll get, send it to you for the notes. Um, No water because you know, uh, fiber without water is going to bung you up to some Mm -hmm. degree. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Interesting. I haven't heard that one. Yeah it's a heavy dose i would say if it works it's i have this you know we got these funny sayings in bruce county like uh are you in are you in the way you know (laughs) these types of saying mine is it's good if it's good and if uh, if it's if that's good then it's good but i I do find a lot of people find like a a half a teaspoon is is enough uh psyllium for them it's just a it's a weird one it can be if you know it can be um have a huge impact at a low dose yeah i love ca- the applesauce yeah. trick though i have to
1: yeah yeah to have it in and the other piece um but well, the other thing that we've been told and it just depends on the person everyone's different right so exactly. i'll say uh two tablespoons of ground flaxseed in a day because ground flaxseed is what a resistant starch so it is i think it's a resistant anyways it'll help get that it's a, it,
0: it's a to viscous go. fiber and i think it'll have some uh, uh resistant starch in yeah. it too more so than psyllium yeah.
1: And then um, warm water, the warm liquids, because that helps, you know, that sort of thing, like drinking more like wor- hot water and lemon or herbal teas throughout the day instead of a cold glass of water that helps your bowels.
0: Yeah, the cold is constricting. It's it's yeah. funny in Chinese medicine, we learned that the stomach likes warm. Yeah. Yeah. So get it, give it warm stuff.
1: Warm. And then, of course, I'm a coffee person. So like coffee works for me. And
0: it does something for me too. I'm a coffee person too. And I, I can, you know, attest to its uh, benefits in that way too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So
1: some, some of my pregnant patients are afraid to drink coffee and, um, I, I, I really let them make that decision, but I never gave it up during pregnancy because it, Mm -hmm. it helped. And, and honestly, when you're pregnant too, that hormone progesterone can really wreak havoc on your bowels. It slows them down, um, so I had one pregnancy where I was not constipated, another where I was horrifically constipated, and yeah. So really, being kind to your bowels, and I wish I knew when I was pregnant what I know now because I don't know if I would have struggled as much.
0: Isn't it always so, like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, hey, listen, what would what would be some of the things that you'd love? Like, if naturopaths are listening, uh, what would be some of the things that you would love to to share with them and say, "Look, guys, if you see this." get, you know, get a referral to pelvic floor physio or, or, you know, someone like that.
1: Um, I can even send you, I'll, I'll dig it up, but I'll send you some of the cues that need, like, just to, like in, that you would fill it in history. I'll send that. But like anyone who is having hip pain, do you guys screen for hip pain within a course? Do you ask for that? Like, I'm not sure. We no. I don't
0: think so. It's, hey, I wouldn't say it's commonly done.
1: Urgency frequency of the bladder constipation. Yeah. That's not resolving with dietary changes. Um, uh, any history of trauma, um, like especially pelvic trauma surgeries down there, because that can all affect the muscular structure and people can yep. hold tension just to protect. Like, I think it's really important to know that you have like your pelvic floor muscles are really emotional muscles. So if you're in a, like a big period of stress, which we all are right now with COVID or you've had trauma, it can be like could be any kind of trauma. It could be sexual trauma. It could be mm-hmm. physical trauma, surgical trauma. You can carry more tension in that pelvic floor um and also other emotional muscles are your jaw so your jaw and your pelvic floor are connected i think i said that earlier and so are your trapezius muscles so those are muscles that just hold that unconscious stress
0: mm-hmm. um
1: so i just asked them about their stress and then really quiz them as to whether it hurts them to have a bowel movement too if they're complaining because they you do ask about constipation right when they...
0: i hope so i yeah. hope so but yeah. you know one thing i'm gonna i'm gonna uh... I have this habit of maybe oversimplifying, but at the point, you know, the point being just to try to get a point across, I think we don't do a good enough job as naturopaths. So I'm not, I'm not dragging you under the bus here. I'm going to drag me and my colleagues under the bus. If there's a feeling of obstruction, if there's just like a sense of things just don't come out easily straining and that sense of obstruction, you're You need, you need to work on that. And, and that's like, that's the, that's the out, that's the outlet. Like if, if that ain't working, you're not going to get very far with an uncooperative anus. I know I have said it, but I'm so focused on the gut part, but like there's other issues down there too. I just, I want to reiterate how important that is. If we don't get that pelvic floor working, you can do all this amazing work with diet. You can do all this amazing work in the, you know, the more um, proximal areas of the colon and small intestine You can have people go on a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and all this stuff that I don't love really focusing on. If you don't have a cooperative anus, you're in trouble.
1: You are. And I think too, like even just a tip off, if someone's straining and they have type four bowel, like type four bowel movements right there, that's type pelvic floor. If Their bowels, like their poop looks perfect, but they have trouble getting it out. That's like good cause to like address the pelvic floor.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be like that all the time, does it, Janice? Or can it be, can it sort of go from one to the other or, oh, yeah. or what? what's your experience that way?
1: No one is ever like always type <laughs> four, unless you're eating saintly, like all the time. Right. But yeah, like you can, but if someone's swinging from type one to type three all the time, or even type one to type seven, people do that too, right? Like your IBS patients. So mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, any time you, but just tension in the pelvic floor, p- pain with sitting, pain with sitting would be another thing. Sitting for an hour, two hours, are you sore? Where do and they feel it? Get up, right in their bum. Their bum gets sore, so that it'll feel like their like their hip or their buttock will be sore, and they'll want to shift. They'll want to move a lot when they sit for a long period of time, um, because they just can't stand it. And then when they go to get up, they feel like they're like a little old lady, and they're not right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so d- does a lot of what we're talking about fall under that that terminology? that, uh, terminology I was looking into called discerner. Uh, how'd you say it?
1: dyssynergia? Yeah.
0: dyssynergia, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's when your pelvic floor is tightening when it should be relaxing because you need to poop, you need to relax your pelvic floor to get that poop out. Yeah.
0: And that dyssynergia can, can lead to problems with not only rectal issues, but vaginal issues and urethral and bladder Yeah,
1: incontinence. So disinergia is really common in kids. Um, So kids that have struggled, because constipation is quite common in children, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So I, because sometimes they have poor diet, sensitivities, whatever, many reasons. Um, And so what happens in kids is once it hurts, they hold it, they hold it, they hold it. And then they have type one stools and they hurt, they hurt, they hurt. Mm -hmm. And then they can get fecalomas, which is like a, it's like a a massive stool that kind of hangs out in the, um rectum but other stool can get by it and that fecaloma can push on the bladder and cause incontinence so when children in general like if, if kids are leaking and there's no other known problems no neurological problems then the first thing i'm like are they constipated and then get an x-ray check for a fecaloma
0: mm-hmm.
1: because you really want to get clear that and then work on that so if i could say something else about kids because i used to work with children um please, 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 if you're toilet training your child, or even if they're three or four or five, please use a potty on the floor so their knees are above their hips. Or if you're putting them on the toilet, use a ring reducer and make sure they have a stool high enough so that their knees are above their hips. Because what happens with a kid on a toilet is A, if they don't have a ring reducer, they're gonna clench their pelvic floor because they're gonna feel like they're gonna fall into the water and you need to relax your pelvic floor to evacuate your bladder and your bowels, And then if 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 they're struggling with constipation and they don't have that um, proper angle where their knees are above their hips to kind of straighten, to relax the puborectalis and straighten that angle, then they're gonna strain and it's gonna hurt. And then you're just kind of keeping that cycle going of dysenteria. So really mm-hmm. I, for my daughter, I learned with her, I just, I kept, it was not fun to clean but I just kept a potty on the floor and mm-hmm. And then her knees would be in a good position, but I think parents don't think of that, and that can, if you start that right, it can actually prevent problems because then the kids in the proper position, and they're not going to have issues. And then hopefully they will never get constipated if it's a It Totally thing. makes
0: sense. I, and I never would have like again, gut focused guy, never gut focused naturopath. I wouldn't have known about that. Yeah. Um, and Little I need girls to know often about.
1: get bladder infections if they don't relax their pelvic floor, right? Because we're just more prone to them. So if they're sitting mm-hmm. on the toilet, clenching to balance themselves, because think of it on an adult toilet, if you're three or four, you're the hanging thing would on. Be
0: huge. The thing would be huge.
1: Yeah, you're hanging on. So you don't fall in. So you can't yeah. fully relax. So you're retaining urine and then that can end up with a bladder infection. So proper position on the toilet, especially for young kids, because we're putting them on an adult toilet most of the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you extrapolated the size of a toilet on a kid for us, it would be enormous
1: enormous and I will have to tell you a story Dave because you know my son (laughs) (laughs) so um hopefully he won't listen to this but anyways, uh years ago like he you know I told him to use a stool when he was having um you know going to the bathroom but I remember he had a swim meet this is years ago and this is why I want people to get a squatty potty not a stool because you can trip over them in the night (laughs) he had used a recycling bin and flipped it upside down In front of the toilet in the hotel. Yes. So I, in the middle of the night, when I went to the bathroom, I kind of, I went in and didn't turn on the light and just kind of backed up. And like, I literally fell under the toilet because the recycling bin was sticking out so far. So <laughs> squatty potties are great because they, they they hide when they when you don't right. need them.
0: <laughs> That's funny. And they can't look that bad because my wife is an interior designer and she said we could get them.
1: Okay. Yes, I know. She is. And yeah, they, they hide under the, and you can get the same color. So they blend in with the stem of the toilet. Yeah. That's what we did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Janice, I, I, when I, when I come to this point in, in our, in our chat, I always like to give you a chance to say, I mean, I think that's so important what you're saying with kids. Cause to me, the earlier we can do good stuff with kids, the, the better, you, I mean, that's a blanket statement, but I think it's pretty much true. Um, is there anything else that you think, because you, you got a message here, you got, you're passionate, you're so knowledgeable. Is there anything we should sort of make sure that we get out there uh, so that people hear you and your message?
1: Well, I, yeah, I was trying to think, I think I covered most of it. I mean, I could go on and on about the pelvic floor.
0: But give us, you know what, you know how things are though. If we, if, if there's one, I mean, people should listen back and listen, I'm I'm going to listen back to this cause there's a bunch of like things I have to do, believe it or not. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so they can listen back for the details, but like to get the real oomph, like what, what's the most important thing that people need to hear uh, who are listening to this because of pelvic floor issues or constipation issues.
1: Don't put up with it. Um, definitely. You should not be constipated. And in our, in our pelvic health world, you're basically constipated until proven otherwise.
0: Wow. And
1: for all pelvic health problems,
0: there's the title constipated until proven otherwise. <laughs> yeah. <I> like
1: it. <laughs> it's like innocent until you proven guilty, but yes. Um, but for all pelvic health problems, if someone's constipated, I'm addressing that first. Right. Yeah. So like if they're constipated and then they're having incontinence, that constipation can be causing the incontinence. So why would I get them doing Kegels? Right. Like I really, I awesome. do a, a pelvic yep. floor exam, but t- treat the constipation first, try to get your poops type four. Like, and if, and if you are struggling with like nice, perfect looking poops, you really need to get your pelvic floor checked out. Um, I will give you some really great links by um, an instructor named Michelle Lyons. She's hilarious. She's an Irish pelvic health physio, and she's got great YouTube videos with diagrams and it's really easy to understand. So I think, you know, if you can't access a pelvic PT because you don't have one near you or you can't afford it, um, check out those videos. There's a lot you can do on your own if you're so inclined. Um, Talk to your doctor about it. They don't know everything, but you know, a lot of what I'm finding right now in my practice is the nurse practitioners are actually taking courses in pelvic health. So if you have a nurse practitioner, they spend a bit more time, they have a bit more time than doctors. And a few of them, can really do a great pelvic health exam. And then they often refer to me when they find stuff, but they Mm -hmm. can educate that patient. They're looking for stuff for patients um, that can't afford it. So like they do have a few quick things that patients can do and they can perform an accurate exam if they've taken even a level one pelvic course. So
0: awesome. So y'all are constipated until proven otherwise.
1: Yes
0: and uh we've got to be beware of the boy who the, the anus that cried wolf too we got to be aware of that uh knees knees above what was the other one we got some key things here knees okay, above for
1: pooping yeah have your knees above your hips so a, yep. a little stool if you're a little kid you want like a double stool or on the floor with a potty uh and then instead of holding your breath and kind of going you want to actually take a breath in Relax that abdomen and then blow out through purse lips, Like you're blowing out a candle, like on a birthday cake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you have
1: a little kid, give them bubbles to blow on the toilet. Amazing. Right. right? So that's, yeah. yeah. And never rush kids. Um, and never keep it like with my kids. Um, I never, ever said, okay, you have to go pee. You have to go pee or you got to go poop. I never, I let them figure it out because it can become a control thing between the parents. And it's, I don't think that's healthy. Okay. So, and, and be patient when they're on the toilet. Like my aunt used to read to her kids. I remember that. And I sh- you don't want to sit there for that long, but you should be there long enough that they can actually relax. And it's associated with something positive, not yeah. something negative.
0: Right? So as long as it's not war and peace. Yeah, exactly. Be all right. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then really five minutes on the toilet. Like if you're struggling and it's been five minutes, get off, walk around. You know, the urge to poop usually comes after you move or, after you eat right so yeah. wait yeah and drink lots yeah. of water 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 water
0: yeah so awesome janice thank you so much i've i have learned so so much and i thought i knew a lot so I <laughs> well, think... i'll send
1: you some of this stuff so you can see it and share it with your patients because people just don't always have the time to access both right yeah so, for
0: sure yeah. okay
1: okay thank right. you thanks so for much having me. it's been fun <laughs> it has
0: been fun okay talk to you later <laughs> all right
1: take care thanks Dave. yeah Bye. Bye.